Hello, my friends. This is Pastor Christopher Alam at home in Lancaster, Pennsylvania. Glad to be able to share the Word of God with you. I trust you are doing well. We are um, on the subject of, uh, um, of the blood covenant and we are wrapping up um, Yahweh Shalom. The Lord is our peace. That was one of the promises that God gave them. That was his Jehovah name, you know, his covenant name, Yahweh Shalom, one of his covenant names. I am the Lord, your peace. And I want to end, end by this, uh, you know, a few scriptures I want to share with you. Um, Psalm 119, 165, it says, Great peace have they who love thy law and uh, thy law, and nothing shall offend them or make them stumble. So in other words, if you love the word of God, you will have always have great peace and nothing shall offend you and you shall not stumble. Uh, righteousness and peace. Uh, and Psalm, that is Psalm 72 verses 3 and 7. It says, The mountains shall bring peace to the people and the little hills by righteousness. In his days the righteous shall flourish and abundance of peace until the moon is no more. Psalm 85 verses 10 and 11 Mercy and truth have met together. Righteousness and peace have kissed. Truth shall spring out of the earth and righteousness shall look down from heaven. Amen. Uh, you know, um, in Isaiah 32 verses 17 and 18, it says, And the work of righteousness shall be peace and the effect of righteousness, quietness and assurance forever. My people shall dwell in a peaceful habitation, in secure dwellings and in quiet resting places. And then, as I, you know, these are some of the, there's so many scriptures. As I said to you uh, yesterday, there were 239 places that the word shalom is in the Old Testament. And uh, the word shalom means, as I said to you, peace and wholeness and safety and security. It means healing for the mind and body. Uh, it's just a, a powerful word that encompasses a lot of things. So whenever we talk about peace, it's not just the absence of trouble, but peace is a quality in itself. And uh, um, in Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6, it says, For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. And this is one of the uh, uh, prophetic scriptures in the Old Testament uh, talking about Jesus. <coughs> this was the prophet Isaiah. Jesus shall be the Prince of Peace. He's basically saying that when Jesus comes, he shall be the Prince of Peace. And again, as I said, the, the Prince of Peace, which is peace, and then uh, the Prince of Wholeness, the Prince of Healing, the Prince of Life, the Prince of Safety, the Prince of Security, the Prince of Completeness, all these things that are part of peace, all these things are in the hands of Jesus. And then I'll finish this with uh, John 14, verse 27. Jesus said to his disciples, Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you, not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. Praise God. Jesus says, I give you my peace, and not as the world do I give to you. But we will look at this later when we come to, when we talk about the new covenant. Now, the next uh, and the last Yahweh 
main uh, we are going to uh, talk about is Yahweh Rach or Yahweh Roy. It's also called. It says, I am the Lord, your shepherd. I am the Lord, your shepherd. A shepherd is a, a man who, who tends sheep, who tends sheep, who watches over them, and the shepherd leads his sheep. And uh, in Ezekiel 34, verses 11 to 15, um, For thus said the Lord God, Behold, I, even I, will both search my sheep and seek them out. As a shepherd seeketh out his flock in the day that he is among his sheep that are scattered, so will I seek out my sheep and will deliver them out of all the places where they have been scattered in the cloud and dark day. And I will bring them out from the people and gather them from the countries and will bring them to their own land and feed them upon the mountains of Israel by the rivers and in all the inhabited places of the country. I will feed them in a good pasture, and upon the high mountains of Israel shall their fall be. There they shall lie in a good fold, and in a fat pasture shall they feed upon the mountains of Israel. I will feed my flock, and I will cause them to lie down, says the Lord God. So here the Lord talks about himself as a shepherd and he is going to gather his sheep together and he's going to give them rest he's going to feed them and he's going to take care of them psalm 80 verse 1 it says give ear o shepherd of israel thou that leadest joseph like a flock thou that dwelleth between the cherubim shine forth the lord is the shepherd of israel here he is uh, he's talking to the lord he says because oh Hear thee, give ear, O shepherd of Israel. The Lord is the shepherd of Israel, and he leads Israel like a flock, and he dwells between the cherubim. That is, that is the Lord. Psalm 23, verses 1 to 6. This is the famous shepherd psalm that we all know of. It says, The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. He leadeth me beside the still waters. He restoreth my soul. He leadeth me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. Thou preparest a table before me in the presence of mine enemies. Thou anointest my head with oil. My cup runneth over. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. So it says, the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not lack anything. Because the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not lack anything. So the Lord, you know, Yahweh Roy or Yahweh Ra means, he, I am the Lord, your shepherd. So he's saying, because the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not lack anything. And he says, he maketh me to lie down in green pastures. That is abundance. Green pastures is abundance. He leadeth me beside the still waters. That means he leads me um, where there is peace. He restores my soul. That means he restores my soul. And he then after he has restored my soul, he leads me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. You know, uh, after he restores us, he leads us in his paths and changes our lives. 
And uh, you, you know, it reminds me when I got saved, man, I used to do, do so many terrible things before I got saved. But when I met Jesus, uh, suddenly he put something in my heart to, uh, to do that, uh, which pleased him and to walk away from my past. And I just walked away from my past uh, because those things that I used to do, those things that preoccupied my time, those things that were so important to me, suddenly uh, they seemed so empty and hollow and shallow. And what I had received, this wonderful new life from God, was so wonderful. So it's not so much that, uh, that I said, oh, I'm forsaking the world, but it's just that the new thing that God had given me was so much more wonderful than the old. You know, like somebody gave an analogy. He says, if you, uh, if, if you have a dog who's choosing an, uh, who's chewing on an old bone, a dirty old bone, and you want to throw away that bone, you try to take that bone from the dog, he won't let it go. I mean, he will fight with it. He, because he doesn't look at it the way you look at it. For you, it's a dirty, filthy, old, worn out bone, but for him, that's treasure. But the analogy goes, if you want to take that bone away from God, uh, I mean, so from that animal, you give him a nice steak, a nice piece of meat. As soon as he sees that nice steak, that piece of meat, he will drop that bone and he will go after that piece of meat. And, 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 and that's, that's what happened to my life. You can say that I was like the dog. I was living a filthy life, and but that life for me, that was it, you know. And uh, when I met Jesus, what Jesus gave me was so wonderful that suddenly this life that I lived, I just, I just walked away from it. And so, uh, you know, some people say, well, if I follow Jesus, do I have to give up my own friends? You know, that's not even a question. <coughs> I'm sorry giving up my old friends. I just walked away from um, everything that was ungodly, filthy in my life. And when I would meet my old friends, run into them, you know what I would do? Instead of joining them in the things I used to do with them, I used to share the gospel with them. Because I, I, I loved my friends so much that I wanted them to experience the same thing that I had experienced. I wanted so desperately for them to have Jesus because Jesus was the most wonderful, um, not a thing, but person in my life. So I wanted them to experience Jesus. And uh, so that's what happens. When he restores our soul, he causes us to walk in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Then he says, Yea, though I walk to the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Even when I go through dangerous, dangerous, terrible things, I will not fear any evil, for you are with me. Your right rod and your staff, they comfort me. Hallelujah. So it says, You prepare, thou preparest a table before me. In the presence of mine enemies that thou anointest my head with oil, my cup runneth over. He's in the, even in the presence of those who hate me, God prepares a feast for me. Then he anoints my head with oil, the anointing is on me, and my cup overflows. Then it says, surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. He says, surely I know this one thing, that the goodness of God and the mercy of God 
shall follow me all the days of my life and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Amen. So, you know, this is, so we have now talked about the, the seven um, uh, Jehovah names that I had on my list. And, um, and so these were the names of God in the name, the, the covenant names of God in the Old Testament. Uh, they were all prefixed by, by Yahweh. And, um, you know, Yahweh Shalom, Yahweh Shammah, Yahweh Sidkenu, Yahweh Nisi, so on and so forth. And we will find these attributes in the New Covenant also when we come down to the New Covenant. But now, let us look at the lives of, uh, just briefly, of some covenant men. Some, uh, some, of the, some covenant men we see in the Old Testament. Men who were in covenant with God, who walked in covenant with God. And uh, the first covenant man, we are, I'm going to look at two who are kind of well-known and I'm going to look at a couple who are kind of obscure. Uh, you don't hear, you don't really know much about them, but it's interesting. I'll tell you what the scripture says about them. The first one is Abraham. And in Hebrews chapter 11, we can read from verse 8 to 19. It says, by faith, Abraham, when he was called to go out in a, into a place which he should receive for an inheritance, obeyed, and he went out not knowing whither he went. By faith, he sojourned in the land of promise as in a strange country, dwelling in tabernacles with Isaac and Jacob, and heirs with, of, with him of the same promise. Now, this is interesting. The interesting thing is that Abraham was a man of faith before the covenant. Uh, before God made a covenant with him. I want you to understand that because when God called Abraham at that time, there was no covenant. God was not in covenant with Abraham. The covenant came later on that God made a covenant with Abraham. But in the beginning, when God called Abraham, Abraham, um, God spoke to him and Abraham responded in faith and obeyed God and went and he was but he didn't know anything about the covenant because there was no such thing as a covenant with God. He didn't have a covenant with God. Uh, uh, you know, there were covenant made between men. It was a part of their tradition. We see that because Abimelech made a covenant with Abraham. Uh, but that covenant with, uh, with God came at a, at a latter stage. So Abraham was a man of faith. Before he was a man of the covenant. And incidentally, maybe it was because he was a man of faith that God made a covenant with him. Because you see, faith goes with obedience. Faith and obedience go hand in hand. A man of faith is a man who obeys God. And because man, Abraham was uh, a man of faith and obedience, God saw in Abraham a man with whom he could cut a covenant. That's, it's just an interesting thought. It doesn't say anywhere in the Bible. So just take it as a thought from me. Uh, you know, uh, like, uh, so, yeah. so it's just my thought. You don't have to accept it because it's not in the scripture, but it's my kind of inference that uh, maybe, maybe there is perhaps that God made a covenant with Abraham because he saw in Abraham a man of faith and obedience. So, uh, I believe that, I've always believed that walking in a covenant with God, it entails being a man of faith and a man of obedience. Uh, you know, um, we have a new covenant with Jesus and through the blood of Jesus, I'm part of that covenant. But living in that covenant entails faith and obedience on my part. 
And uh, because if I don't live in faith and obedience, then I can end up having a covenant yet living outside it and not, and not enjoying the blessings of the covenant. Anyway, I says, by faith Abraham, when he was called to go out into a place which he should receive after uh, for, for an inheritance, obeyed, and he went out not knowing where he went. By faith, he sojourned in the land of promise as in a strange country, dwelling in tabernacles and uh, with Isaac and Jacob and heirs with him of the same promise. For he looked for a city which has foundations, whose builder and maker is God. Through faith also Sarah herself received strength to conceive seed and was delivered of a child when she was past age because she judged him faithful who had promised. Therefore sprang there even of one and him as good as dead, so many as the stars of the sky in multitude and as the sand which is by the seashore innumerable. These all died in faith, not having received the promises, but having them seen afar off. They were persuaded of them and embraced them and confessed them that they were strangers and pilgrims on the earth. For they that say such things declare plainly that they seek a country. And truly, if they had been mindful of that country from whence they came out, they might have had the opportunity to have returned. But now they desire a better country that is a heavenly, wherefore God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he has prepared for them a city. And by faith Abraham, when he was tried, offered up Isaac and that and he that had received the promises offered up his only begotten son of whom it was said that in Isaac shall thy seed be called, accounting that God was able to raise him up even from the dead from whence also he received him in a figure. Hallelujah. So first thing about Abraham, Abraham was actually a heathen because you got to remember when Abraham was born, uh, there was no word of God. There was no uh, revelation from God in the form of his word. Uh, there were no Israelites because the Israelites came from Abraham. So when Abraham, you know, started his journey of faith from Ur in the Chaldees, so he, uh, which is in modern day Iraq. So when he uh, started his journey there, there was no revelation from God in the form of a written word. So there was no word. And uh, in addition to that, he was a heathen person. He was like everybody else. He was a heathen. And um, but back in those days, you have to remember that uh, people were judged according to their conscience. The interesting thing is that God has put elements of his law, of his nature, his character and understanding of who he is in uh, every person's heart. Every person's heart, even if he doesn't know Jesus, he doesn't know God, he doesn't know the word. Every person has who is on this earth, even though we are born of Adam and carry his sinful nature, uh, there is a concept of right and wrong and a consciousness of uh, this divine person who we know as God uh, out there. And so what happens is up to people to, to seek that 
uh, you know, that divine deity who is out there and to seek his presence. And it is, it is up to every person to do that. We have that choice. And obviously, Abraham, uh, for some reason, he must have showed those attributes uh, as a man of faith, as a man who would choose God. And I can imagine him growing up among heathen people, but he was different to others. He didn't, uh, he wasn't like everybody else. There was something different about him. So uh, he lived his life. He must have lived his life. This is my speculation. Again, the Bible doesn't tell us this, but he must have lived his life with a consciousness of God, uh, even though there was no written revelation about God. And so that could be the reason why God of all the people in the world picked him and chose him. And so, and God told Abraham um, that he uh, was calling him to go to a place, a country, which was hundreds and hundreds of miles away, you know, from, from Ur to the promised land, Canaan's land, which is modern day Israel is, either could be a thousand miles or hundreds of miles at least. It's very, very far. And in those days when you didn't have air travel, you could be talking about going to the other end of the earth. You know, it's, it was far. And so um, um, God spoke to Abraham and called him to leave his family, leave his relatives, his friends, leave everything and to go to this place. And he didn't even tell Abraham where this place is. All he said, it's a land flowing with milk and honey and I'm going to take you there. But Abraham, obviously, the consciousness of God that he had was so strong that and the way God spoke to him was so powerful that Abraham was convinced that uh, to obey this uh, God who's speaking to him uh, uh, was uh, more important than anything else. So obviously, so it's, it's rested upon two things. He had a strong consciousness of God and the way that God spoke to him was so strong and powerful that Abraham said, okay, I'm going to obey. So he left. So he left and with his wife and his nephew Lot left with him. That's interesting. His nephew, nephew could mean his sister's son or his brother's son, but Lot was his nephew. And who says, uncle, I'm going with you. You know, that's, that also shows that uh, this young man Lot loved his uncle, believed his uncle and said, I'm going with you, uncle. So Abraham and his wife Sarai, as she was known, and Abraham's name was Abram. So you can say Abram, Sarai, and Lot. They went, and it says, verse 8, not knowing whither he went. They had no idea where they were going. And But anyway, he, they made that journey, and the Lord led them. And when he came to this land of promise, in verse 9, now he's in the land of promise, right? The land of Canaan. And he says, he sojourned in the land of promise and uh, sojourn, the word sojourn is an interesting word. Sojourn doesn't mean to live somewhere, but sojourn means to dwell somewhere as a temporary dweller. Like, uh, for example, um, when I, I go and preach in Africa, I spend, say, two weeks in Zambia or Mozambique or Zimbabwe or I've been to Congo and Botswana, South Africa, all those places. I'm sojourning there. I get a hotel room. I unpack my stuff. I, you know, I hang up my clothes and uh, 
So people ask, where are you staying? I'm staying in such and such hotel, but I'm sojourning there because I know I'm there for a while and I'm, I'm, I stay there for those two weeks as a stranger in a strange land. That is not my home. But this, Lancaster County, Lancaster, Pennsylvania, this is my home. What you see, this is my house. This is, I'm not sojourning here, but I'm living here. And because this is where my wife is, my children are, this is my family, this is my home, and this is where I live. So here I'm not sojourning, but wherever else I go, I'm sojourning. But in from the viewpoint of eternity, even this home is not my permanent home. The Bible says our permanent home is in heaven. So even here in Lancaster County, I'm sojourning here. I've lived in this house for like 25 years or 20, 26 years, I'm sorry. Lived in this house for 26 years, but I'm still sojourning here from the viewpoint of eternity because from that viewpoint, I'm, my real home is in heaven. But anyway, but it says by faith, he sojourned in the land of promise as in a strange country, dwelling in tabernacles with Isaac and Jacob and heirs with him of the same promise. Now, this is very interesting because here it says that uh, several things in this verse. Firstly, that he sojourned, that he dwelt in that promised land. God had promised him that land of Canaan overflowing with milk and honey. But when he came there, he didn't, still didn't look at it as the culmination of my dreams. I am finally here. I left my home in Ur and followed God all the way to be here and this is my home. No, he still looked at himself as somebody who was passing through in the place that God had promised him. So there was something more going on behind this. So he said the second thing was that he dwelt in tents. He never built a house for himself. People did live in houses. Not everybody lived in tents, but Abraham lived in a tent. And not only that, but his son Isaac also lived in a tent. Isaac was actually born in the promised land. And this, this verse uh, uh, spans, you can see the entirety of Abraham's life. So his son Isaac has the same attitude as his father Abraham and lived in a tent as a temporary dweller. And Jacob, his grandson, who was also an heir of the promise God had given Abraham, also dwelt as a sojourner in that land, dwelling as a temporary dweller. So this whole concept of uh, I'm just passing through, this is not my home. It was not only in Abraham's heart, but he had passed that value on to his son and to his grandson. So three generations lived in that land which God had promised them as if it was a temporary dwelling place. And in the beginning of the verse, it says, by faith he sojourned in the land of promise. That means that Abraham lived there by faith. You know, people always say, uh, you know, to take a hold of things, it takes faith. Yes, it does. But it also takes a lot of faith to be where God has said you will be. And God says this land is yours. But to be there and to look at it as if, no, this is not it. That also takes faith.
if you understand what I'm saying. It takes faith to take hold, but it also takes faith to let go. And it also takes faith to look past that which you have, which you think God has promised you and look to something else. And what was Abraham looking at? That's in verse 10. For he looked to a city which has foundations, whose builder and maker is God. So what had happened to Abraham? He left Ur after this land flowing with milk and honey that God had promised him. But during that journey of faith from Ur to the land of uh, Israel, the Canaan's land, modern day Israel, where it is located, during that journey of faith, his encounters with God had changed him, had transformed him so much that now he must have had a vision of the heavenly, of the heavenly city and had a vision. I believe he had a vision of Jesus. And so he saw that and he took a hold of his spirit, grabbed hold of that. And that's what he wanted. He wanted that beautiful, that wonderful city whose uh, gates are made of pearls, whose streets are made of gold. He saw that. And so here he comes to this land flowing with milk and honey, the land of Canaan. And he said, uh, this is not it. That is what I want because he was looking for a city. So you can let go of the earthly only when you embrace the heavenly and you are gripped by the heavenly so that the heavenly is far more precious than what the earth can ever give you. And that is what it means to be a covenant man. That is why Abraham was a covenant man. Hallelujah. He came to the land that God had promised him. But when he came there, he says, this is not it because during this journey, I've seen something else far more wonderful. It's a city that is built by God, whose streets are made by, of gold, gates are made of pearl. That is what I'm looking for. Hallelujah. That is a covenant man. Anyway, God bless you. We will continue tomorrow. Let's pray together. Father, let your blessing be upon my brothers and sisters, upon all of us. Thank you, Jesus. You are our savior, our healer, our deliverer. I pray for everybody who has any sickness or disease in their body. I curse every disease, every infirmity. I speak life and blessing and health to them, Father. Bless them, meet every need they have in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, God bless you. I'll be seeing you tomorrow.